I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can the best way possible while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title, you get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get that. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Hey there, I'm Shadley. Thank you for coming over to the show. Thank you. Let's start with who you are, what you do, and most importantly, why do you do it? Oh, I fun that. Uh, so as you said, my name is Adrian Chatelet. I'm a designer focusing on, on branding. Uh, what I'm doing at the moment, I'm the creative director of a company called consultancy called The One, and we specialize on PR and branding for startups, pure entrepreneurs, uh, and, and small business. Why am I doing that? Um, because, because I want to find a bit more purpose in what I'm doing and be able to do it for small business and be able to do it directly with the owners is definitely more purposeful. So that's why I'm doing that at the moment. It's not what you set out to do initially, right? Take us back to the beginning before your professional career. Before a professional career? How did you realize you're a creative person? Was it something you understood about yourself growing up? God, yeah, it, it, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a long journey, I think. Uh, I think early on you realize that when you don't really clearly realize you're different from the other one or you're especially that different, but just your, your way of thinking and you can always want to see stuff differently and create from your hand, from your brain. You see problem as something fun, something you need to solve with a different way of doing it. So from very much early age, I wanted to express myself and show creative way of doing everything and uh, that's how I kind of realized I was definitely a creative and it's very much later on when I was 
my mid 20s I really clearly understood that my brain was working in a, in a quite strange way. Uh, mid 20s. Good way. Yeah, mid 20s because before you kind of like you try to be conventional, you try to follow the the what the society tell you to be, the way you need to learn, the way you need to to behave, to write, and you think that you just struggle a bit to learn basically. And then it's only really much when I started my career when I realized actually it doesn't matter if I don't write properly. Is actually my way of thinking the world and looking at stuff differently is my values, and that's why I can bring to other and actually normality and baseline is not really interesting. It doesn't bring any value to no one, and is the one a creative person? Obviously, everyone has something to say, but it's very interesting to have someone who says something different, even though you like it or it's right or wrong. But at least it it pushed. It pushed us to to be better and to see stuff differently. What were you doing up until that point? You had there some school. You must have had some work. So yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I did. Obviously, I tried to be as normal as possible. My parents wanted me to have good grade, but I kind of was a bit rebellious, and I I started doing some graffiti. I started wanting to do my own stuff, and I dropped out of school many times because I'm like. I can do that. I just want to do stuff, not just being told how the conceptual is, concept of doing stuff. And so I started, I think that was, I was about 16 years old when I was doing uh, some street art in my hometown of Nice and I was court-ended doing so on a famous fashion shop uh, windows display. And, and I thought <laughs> I was going to go to prison this day. But basically, the owner asked me to, to do it properly for him. And from that on, I was doing windows displays and, and ads for for the sales on, on my street in Nice. And that's how I started to do my, my job. And there I started to realize, okay, I can do some fun stuff with that. And, and from this point, I started studying more graphic design and art. And it came to lead to advertising quite quickly. So you were 16, you did graffiti yeah. on a shop. Yeah. Basically vandalizing. But yeah, basically you have the window. I, when I always do street art and graffiti, I think about the place first and then I think what I want to do in this place. And, and it's always a, it's funny, we were talking earlier with that. It's all about the story, right? If you don't have a story, you have nothing. If you have a story, you can bring anyone everywhere. And the idea is like, you have a beautiful shop, love what they were doing at the time, and a massive white, white wall next to it. I'm like, oh, we should do something. And I'm like, oh, they're really, really innovative on the type of fashion they were doing. So I'm like, oh, they're, in, they're disrupting of, of, of fashion. So I, I create a switch with a long wire with, with a massive plug, plugging into the wall, uh, into the, the Windows display. And I'm writing like basically this brand, blah, blah, it's a switch of, of fashion. And it was quite clever. And the guy loved it uh, because in some way it was quite positive for him. And he, he asked me to do it like properly with paint and much bigger. Much bigger how, did you know, how did he know it was you? Because I have a, a kind of clear style of the way I was doing. I was always using like some white paper. I was doing that with a very big, thick black pen. And then I was going like, to glue it with uh, like wallpaper glue on the wall. And from there, I did some other one where I was doing like some kind of like we had the scooter called a Solex. It's very tiny and had that massive print and we saying like basically keep on going in your life. Always keep on going. So you take your Solex and you go. You don't think about anything. Take risk. And I was doing that everywhere and basically saw me doing that again. And at this point, I didn't know he was him and he caught me behind me and just, hey, I know you did that in my window, but please, let's chat. I want to chat. Don't run. Very, <laughs> very cool. 
So you didn't realize that that like you didn't do it to land a job. You did no. it because <laughs> no. But but funny enough, like the now now rethinking about it, for me just like I was just doing it because I wanted to do it and because I just wanted to express myself. But in the world of today is is basically how I get most of my work is basically by doing stuff and sharing about it and people see what I'm doing then go to me because they're like, oh, we like your point of view. Can you help us with some other stuff? So how you, you've done some graffiti, then you started getting paid for it. What was your first real job? My first real job, actually, uh, it's, it's all about luck and all about going somewhere, you know, might be going to get something from it. So in France, when you don't get a job, you can go to uh, Adeco. You have that in the US as well. It's like a recruitment company and they're going to place you for like one day there, one day there to do anything. Like you can just one day clear some tree. The other day you're going to paint. The other day do that. And I got my job into um, just doing painting, but like painting the wall in several colors at, um, at a massive shop called, a retail shop called Les Galeries Lafayette. It's basically um, John Lewis, French John Lewis. It's quite well-known and like it's quite big. And as soon as I arrived in this job, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to get fully employed over there and doing actually design for them and not just painting the wall in white. And after like two weeks, we, it's funny, the, the, the main manager was a woman, terrifying woman. And my boss and Denis was like really kind old man who was really creative, but not really want to push too much because he was scared about the, the big, big, big boss. A bit like the devil were parlor, it's quite fun. And, and one day I'm like, I want to break out of just doing white wall. And I basically painted a fresco of flowers for a brand that was fitted the brand and I did some, did, cutting vinyl and stuff to do something much prettier and i'm like in my hands like if i get cream i can just paint it back white i don't care i have nothing to lose and my dear boss came to see me he's like adrian i don't know what you have done but the, they love it and they want you to do more and basically the the the, the main boss went to see my boss and say that's amazing what you're doing with the flowers and stuff it's fantastic i want to see more of that and from this day first of all i had a full-time job with them and i, I basically have green card to do whatever i want everyone Wow. And that was my first French job. <laughs> <laughs> in France, we have a very strange description of what is legal and illegal. We kind of, it's a gray area. <laughs> and quite quickly after that, I quit this job to start, um, I think it's really much for my mom, sorry to say that, but I started a BA in uh, finance, uh, business administration school in finance that my mom could have prepared me there. And it was just me like, Worrying to not be able to do anything with my creativity and not be able to to be like a success as as you as we talk about like with all things what is success about so so yeah I went to do that uh, for four years and uh, and that's what led me that what led me here in in the UK. Wow. Because when you think about it, your mom knew your creativity. He knew all the trouble you must have gotten yourself into at school, dropping out, and she still put you in finance school. The thing is, like, I did ask for it because I was not sure about myself with the pressure around me, like just the social pressure. It doesn't need to be even someone. And I think my parents did the best of what they knew because for them, the definition of success was to have a house, a big car, and earning this amount of money, doing a job very structured and very organized, wearing a suit and a tie. That was the definition of success for them, and that's the success they had. So they wanted me to be successful, so therefore they gave me the, all the possibility to be successful. 
And for that, uh, I thank them. And it's only now seeing me, now I'm grown up loving everything I want even more by doing exactly what I love without completely freely yeah. that they realize that, oh, maybe this is the definition of success. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So how old were you when you got to the UK? Early 20s, 2021. 2021? Yeah. And um, walk me through what happens between then and now when you're a business owner, a father, you are in partnership with your with, with your co-founder. It's also the co-founder of your family. At the time, I already started kind of a, a small, wobbly business of doing websites using uh, Flash. If I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> so I was kind of like, okay, I can do that. It can be fun. I want to do design. And so I dropped out. And at this time I was doing, I was promoting parties. So I was working for fabric and everything on the street, giving flyers and promoting party and doing my own party. And I thought it was quite fun. At the same time doing obviously the design of the flyer for everyone and doing website. And I met my, my ex-wife in London from South Africa. And I said, Hey, I want to travel a bit. So went to South Africa. And then uh, in South Africa, I found, I said, I'm fairly good in design. I need to find a job in design. So I found a job in in a digital agency in, in, in Cape Town. And for all the creative, creative people who want sunshine, go to Cape Town. It's absolutely insane. People are really, really extremely creative and in a really good way. And they have nothing. They come from nowhere, but they always bring the best. And I was astonished at the level of creativity over there. And they're an amazing agency. So I, I was there for about a year and a half over there. Work for this very tiny half Italian, half South African company. We were doing website for Maxma, for Lavazza Coffee. And I, I started to learn all about like coding and how you do digital design that I never touched before. So that was a really, really good, good, good thing for me. And then we came back in France uh, just to manage visa for my ex-wife. Worked in a really tiny publicity agency in Nice. I was doing, I was basically the senior manager uh, doing everything from designing the sign, printing it, cutting, shaping it, going in place, talking with the client, 
putting the sign up, uh, do advertising campaign, all that. But it was quite fun because the, I had to do a lot in a very short time. So I had to learn to be precise and go straight to the right point and not faff around. But I did that probably for a year, something like that. That was before coming back to, to UK and then having a bigger job. We'll go back to that because I think the all-aroundness is a theme. Yeah. You have to be really good at one thing, but proficient in others. And it's part of what you have to do when you're starting your own startup or, or building it. And it's also a part of why customers come to you today for their PR needs. Yeah. Because they know what they can do, but they also learn what they can't do. Yeah. And this is where you guys fit in. A big misconception on PR would be that it's only crisis resolution. It's only make me look good in the newspapers. It's only make that search result disappear. But you're saying, no, it's actually something something a lot bigger. Yeah. What should brands, entrepreneurs, startups expect from their PR partners? I think it's like, are you talking the story directly with the founders? Or are you talking the story with like a team of marketers representing other people, representing other someone else? Because what is good to, to work with small company or at least to be able to talk directly to the founders is the story needs to be the truth. It to be honest. Whatever you do, branding or PR. Because first of all, people will see when it's not honest. And the way the company behave needs to be the same way they show on the paper or they show with the brands. So our, the work, the right work to do is to take the time to understand and make this company understand who they are and what their story. And if it's right, it's a right story, it's a truth, it's very easy to, to do whatever is first after, after, after money. But in some situation, when the company becomes too big, and it's quite common, actually, large company, if they they want to create the story from nothing, like oh, we want to make sure people think of us about like this, and it's very hard as well to to keep controlling the way the story come out because obviously someone get fired and you guy arrive, and it's, so it's always like a bit of a pivot because the story is is not true, it's not really honest. So the advice is always like whatever is post or after is to make sure that we have discovered the right story, the true story of the company. And we work and we work with that rather than some some strategy kind of position. Something that struck, struck me a little funny is that if I'm a founder of a company, I know why I started this company. Why would I need help in telling that story? Because you think you know, but actually you don't know. I started a podcast, it's called Startup Nightmares, and I did that because I wanted to reduce the collateral damage in the in the innovation ecosystem. Yeah, but for I think that's not enough. That's what you think, because that's your way of describing it as a logical way for you to describe it. But that just doesn't... Even though it's already your idea is already kind of a niche and you, just, you, you kind of stand out from the competition of podcasts for that... But what we potentially try to dig with your story is maybe more two level down. Why actually? Why you as a person, you feel you need to say this story. And it gets a bit more interesting and definitely a bit more personal. And you get to have more things to work with. And sometimes, as well, like I see Lucy doing every day, the right story is not potentially not the one you have in front of you. So, for example, the way you interview me, I can say, you told me, you asked me what, what, who I was, what I'm doing. And I tell you, I'm a graphic designer. I'm focusing on branding for startup entrepreneurs. But the real interesting story we work on your podcast is how I get there. 
what my graffiti story and stuff. And it sounds stupid, but those are those are elements that no one have, and I have personally. But branding designer, you have them everywhere. And that doesn't make me special. What makes me special is my deeper story. So therefore, that's where we, PR and branding is interesting, where we talk to you and we understand a bit more about you and see which elements of your life, which element of your kind of path made what is this podcast perfect. It's valuable. It's valuable, especially when you think of the clutter in the, um, in the tech scene in general. You need a good story. You need a good story to break through. If you think of uh, if you think of the ride hailing or the food delivering or the dating apps, like they all have, they work in a super crowded marketplace. So the story, like the Bumble story, yeah. an executive who suffered from sexual harassment at work and didn't enjoy what the uh, the app at Tinder had to offer her, she's like, no, I can do it better. Why? Because I'm a woman. Because I know what it feels like to be approached by unsolicited um, um, uh, messages and so on. This is why I built this company and this is how, and that story resonates. Yeah, 100%. So PR is not only about finding the right story and distilling it and having relationships with newspapers. It's also about making sure that you bring out the truth in, in, in a product, in a company, and you do it in a way that breaks through the clutter. Fascinating. We mentioned Lucy. Uh, we mentioned Lucy a lot, but Lucy is not here. You work in a partnership, in a business partnership, yeah. in a domestic partnership, husband and wife. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, partners. Yeah, partners. Is there a wedding planned? We talk about it, but there's so much stuff happening, and time goes very fast. I think, yeah, in the future, I hope so. A bit like just for the society again. When you said um, there's a lot of things happening. What's happening? What does a day in the life look like for you guys? A day in the life? Uh, so we... So I was made redundant a year ago, nearly, but months more than that. Uh, the first thing we've done is we built an office garden on the back of, uh, of our house to make sure we have a place to work and we don't need to travel like far away. We have a very organized plan of who dropping the kid, when and how. So if I drop the kid, I would drop the kid and then come back home and just make breakfast and go straight to the office and then come back and fetch the other kid. But because we have two kids with both uh, only six months, Lucy is still maternity leave. So she three, I took two morning uh, in the week and she did the rest of the time to look after Bo and Raphael, our oldest, is in nursery for four days. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's about five to six hours in the office and the rest of the time managing home. You know, you're a creative person. You don't get to work when you have the muse now. You get to work when you have the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's true. I mean, I think it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. And um, so when I was made redundant, I just we we took the uh, we took the, the the risk for me to to join and it was not really a race it was like something I wanted to do and I think it was the best time to do it for us we had a bit of I had a bit of money ahead with the redundancy and I was like hey if I don't do it now we'll never do it and our second child Bob was due to be born a couple of months after so I kind of I wanted some time to be there as well and life showed us as well that it was probably even a better choice when. Second time Bob was born with a heart malformation. We had to spend two months uh, in in, um, in in the hospital, and any job would have potentially fired me three weeks in because that's the law in England. And, and to be fair, I could have I could have not 
be able to work. Uh, your head is completely out of out of the picture. To be creative, you don't even think about it. So be able to have that is good. The flexibility to to take time when needed to be take time, but it brings a bit of a stress, obviously, because two months is two months without without income. It's two months when you try to to keep working. And you try to think you're in control and you manage your client, but actually you, can, you your brain is over there and you can't focus on which client is on, which client is not on. And you end up to see like, God, we don't have any work planned for the next two months. I'm like, so so it can be a bit challenging. And we actually, after that, um, now we have a virtual assistant uh, <laughs> to help us with that. And that's really useful because you can, you can, switch off when needed to switch off, but someone keep looking to make sure the board doesn't drop. But speaking of a startup nightmare, um, so you may you were made redundant. Yeah. How old was Raphael at that point? Uh, Raphael, a bit less than two years. So still a baby. Yeah, yeah. Still, still a baby. baby. Still you, were made, uh, you were made redundant and uh, like you had a responsibility to provide for him, yeah. for yourself, for Lucy. Of course, Lucy <laughs> is also working, but... Speaking of that situation, being made redundant, baby boy, another one coming, setting up a business, and then being two months out of work. Now, if you are if you're an employee of a company, two months out of work, fine, you go back and you pick it up from where you left if they didn't fire <clears throat> you. But for an independent business in its early stages, missing out on two months of work, mm-hmm. it's not just the two net months that you are away, it's the pipeline of business you are building. And the business you potentially stand to lose. Yeah, yeah. We lost, um, we, we, we thought we had five business click just after that. But many stuff happened. We've scared of Brexit and stuff that they, they, they all five dropped out. And I remember I was... Five of them dropped yeah, out? I was very upset and I actually had a call and I felt bad about it with one of potential clients. And I really wanted the business and I sent a proposal. It was... And he was kind of dithering, and, and just because he, it was not the time for him to do it, and he had someone else, and, and it was nothing I could do. But I was very insisting and thinking in my head, you get in this call and you get the sign off, you get the money, you have this business, you don't let the call down until you had the business. So I was very insisting. But looking back, I'm like, it was stupid. It was just no point to be insisting on that. And it's not, it's no, no one fault at this point. And yeah, it, it was a bit of a stressful moment. Um, but you get to, Get to be creative on those times <laughs> and finding out a way to bring money in. You were laughing, um, but I'm shitting my pants because I realized the gravity of the situation. Like on the micro level, uh, one baby boy, one is coming. You were just made redundant, so I'm sure you wanted uh, full health and full motivation. And you have five customers in the pipeline. And I was then, just after, just after Bo, just, just after, after we came back from the hospital with Bo. So. You have to deal with a complicated medical situation, literally life or death, that sucks all of your time and energy and mental capacity. And the pipeline you've built beforehand now falls apart because of something that you have zero control over, like Brexit. I mean, what the fuck, man? How do you, like, you look Lucy in the eyes and you're like, how do you dig yourself out from that hole? Actually, the, the, the solution was not, that hard and we just didn't think about it before and I think we were just really focusing on showing the world a massive success uh, I think many me as well like you fire me don't worry I'm gonna show you I can come back even harder than you but I just I just take the phone and call all the recruiters and say do you have any freelance work and because of my experience and I had worked with them because I recruit many many of my designers through them like 
need no problem and within a week and a half I was booked for for a couple of months uh, so just to get back a bit of money what a relief huh <laughs> that was a risk but there there is very lucky to be in London and the place where a lot of job happening and and to be a, a, a bit of and yeah to be a good designer in some ways and let's go back to the one and the work you guys are doing one thing I think you proud yourself of now and you mentioned it briefly is that you get to do work that you're proud of yeah and that's one of the biggest draws the startup world has you have an idea and you want to be you know in full control of how this idea comes across its execution and stuff like that but it comes at the price what did you have to give up in life in your professional career in order to get to a point where you produce work that you're proud of that you choose your customers I think it's the main one is stability and that's why I never I only now at 34 years old start to do my own stuff because you can say anything you can with big company but they give you stability when you know your check, paycheck arrive and you clock at nine you clock at six it's done obviously uh, when you get more responsibility you get emails and call late and stuff but you can just go in the weekend and don't think too much about your work so you, I think you definitely gave up some sanity <laughs> and some peace of mind you can have always on and even more now with social media even though I'm not too affected but I see other like Constantly, you promote, you talk about people, you need to engage about people on social media to make sure that they feel part of your story and to have a better connection and engagement. So it can be really consuming. It's basically, yeah, you give up a lot of your time and, uh, and a lot of space in your brain, basically. You just get like, okay, half nice for my, for, for my work promotion and, and the stress and everything. I think that's what you give up the most. And how about the other aspect? So if you're a, you're a creative director, creativity is key to your ability to perform. But when you're hindered by the life situation and by running your own business, which means that you essentially have to also do the accounting. Yeah. You have to do marketing. You have to manage the freelancers if you work with them. So you do have to give up some elements of the creativity. So how do you get to do all the technical, gray, uninteresting parts of your work and still have enough creativity left to produce work that you're part of. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. I didn't say it before. And yeah, you, you do give up a lot of your creative time. Like, one, one thing is hard, and, and I'm still learning to do it better and more efficiently and using less time, is all the account management and uh, all the administrative behind it you need to do. Before, was, I could block myself a day of work. Like, I would go in the room and just do creative stuff and that's it and, I, and I'm very good at directing people to do stuff so I'm very good at that but now I need actually to manage and to make sure that I reply on time to the clients and uh, the timeline is right the price are right everything is signed off not saying anything like hopefully we have an content and Lucy helped me a lot with the money but it's so much more stuff to do and I think with pure honesty before even when I was a creative director and a lot of stuff was done by my designer I was at least having like 60% creative and 40% admin and managing people and, and, and meetings. And now I would be potentially more 60% admin, managing clients and, and client prospect and 40% creative. When you look at where you are now and where you were when you started, the good and the bad, right? It's not only that and only that. Are you happy with the life you've built? Yeah. I think... 
I would never imagine I would be there. Like, never. First of all, because I didn't... I know I was creative. It was very hard to know where I was going to end up. And I didn't know a clear vision where I was going to be. But, you know, I'm very happy. I mean, I can't... It's hard because you always want more, especially now. Uh, go back to the social media and, like, the perception of what you should have. But when you look back now, I'm very... For where I'm coming from, I'm very happy. Where I'm, 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 very, I'm a very lucky man, if I can say that this way. It's stressful, but I'm very lucky. You can definitely say that. And if we're looking for, uh, if we're looking for for the story behind the brand, then I have to say your authenticity yep. comes across. Mm. Uh, you can't fake it. No. <laughs> and between you and Lucy, you've built a PR company that can't fake it. Um, you work with customers you like and that you are part of and you produce work that you are part of and it goes a really, really long way. I want to talk about uh, Lucy's book for a second, um, but before we do that, do you have any advice for founders who are now building their company? So in the initial stage, how to think about that story, how to bring that story forward? I think, and I'm going to be very biased here, the first advice I will say, you don't need to spend a lot of money for doing so, but it's very important to understand who you are in your story when you start, even before thinking about a logo or color or the way you're going to do your stuff. Find a company a bit like us and book an hour coaching with a branding specialist and try to understand your story and who you are. And when you have that down, when you have your mantra, when you have your brand value, when you really understand, ah, you know, your graffiti moment, graffiti artist moment lead you to be who you're doing now or... Uh, anything and when you understand that and you can sit on paper like okay now my head is clear i know exactly what i want to say or say you might change you know, moving forward and with everything you're gonna learn but at least you're gonna have a start and when you have that i think that's a, a good base to start then you can do your design yourself using keynote anything because it's very simple to find a font and a color or something it's not a actually disgusting and will work for you but you're gonna have at least a point of reference thinking like okay i'm playful and i know i'm playful so therefore i need to make sure that the font i'm gonna choose in the color is a bit playful i want to break it down to two things i'm taking from what you said one is that the entry into using pr or braiding agency is not a three thousand pound five thousand dollar retainer for the next six months no sometimes this is what is perceived to be the barrier of entry. And you're saying, no, it's not actually. You can do, you know, short-term, super-focused coaching. That's why Lucy started the, the, the WERN five years ago, and that's why I joined the WERN for doing the branding side of it. The same thinking that Lucy do the PR side of it is we have to start thinking that it's extremely expensive. We have to start thinking that there is only one way, one package. Where can we learn more about uh, you and Lucy and the work you guys are doing? Lucy doing amazing work on Instagram. Uh, the one chat. Uh, she shared a lot of tips, branding, day life, uh, and understanding of the PR world and branding world. We have as well a website, theone.com, where we try to put as much as possible tips, video, and always like when we go, we're doing quite a lot of talks and, and masterclass, and you can uh, attend. Most of them are free, some are not, but they're really expensive. And on LinkedIn as well, correct. Excellent. We'll post the uh, handles and everything uh, yeah. in the links uh, of the podcast. There's also a few things you've brought with you guys. There's uh, this, and this is a 
Lucy Warner, Hype Yourself. It's a book that Lucy had written, a no-nonsense PR toolkit for small businesses. And I've been following your guys' work for a year now and highly actionable. Everything that's written there was, was written in metaphorical blood and is worth listening to. So this can be purchased through the website and so much of the content is already out there in yeah. its free form. So 100% check it out. And you also had this little thing, um, 52 PR tips, which is an excellent thing to have on your desk. And when you're fiddling around or waiting for a meeting, just have a read and see what goes on. For example, nail your one-liner. Journalists don't have time to decipher what your business does. Make sure you can summarize it in one sentence that can evolve, but define it from the start. Thank you so much for your original story, for sticking to your uh, professional and creative truth, and for making it all the way here today. Pleasure. Uh, pleasure having you around. Thank you very much, buddy. Thank you, Tal. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.